Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by Rupal Patel, author of From CIA to CEO, Unconventional Life Lessons of Thinking Bigger, leading better and being bolder. Today, we're gonna be discussing the mindset and the tools that Rupal developed to not only thrive in the CIA, but to later apply those lessons to launching not one, but two successful businesses. I cannot tell you how excited I am to to have this conversation. I am so ready to dive deep into all of the work that Rupal does as somebody who's been following online and engaging with with Rupal's work recently. I feel like we're so aligned and we're gonna have so much to talk about. So Rupal, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Thank you so, so much for having me. As you said, I can't wait to dive right in because yeah, we are gonna have a lot to say. Absolutely. And I guess where I'd love to start, I follow you on Twitter. I read a tweet, I think it was a while ago from you that said, I love sharing what I've learned from my own hard-won experience, and my mission is to help smart, ambitious women rewrite the rules of success and become unstoppable. Watch out world, here we come. And that is when I knew, I was like, this woman and I, we are going to be friends and I need to invite her (laughs) to the podcast. So firstly, let's, I guess, start there. When you you know, that's your mission is to help smart, ambitious women. And I really like, firstly, the fact that using the word ambitious and not kind of diluting that or apologizing for that. And, you know, I guess I definitely feel like that's much more of a male energy in the work that I do. And I'm constantly trying to encourage women to, yeah, to not apologize for their ambition, to think bigger and to actually truly believe what is possible for themselves and for their lives. So let's start there. Why is that your mission and how do you how do you do that? Oh, gosh, uh, it's for so many different reasons. I think fundamentally it's because I have been very lucky to be around women growing up who were very smart and ambitious, but didn't make a show of it. So it wasn't this <clears throat> in your face endeavor where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go all guns blazing for this. And this, you know, what, but this very sort of uh, the bravado that often can come with ambition. It was just, a, I would say a slightly more inner ambition. It didn't need to be exposed. It didn't need to be visible. And I loved that. But what I saw as I became you know, sort of older and, you know, went into my teen years and adolescence and young adulthood, I just found that so many women for so many societal and cultural reasons were just holding that back, pretending like it didn't exist, trying to explain it away or to qualify it or to soften it. When why is it okay that men are allowed and boys are allowed to be ambitious and are actively encouraged to be so, but women are not? I mean, it just felt like a stupid dichotomy. And I thought, well, okay, this is a problem. And I know this from my own experience. And and, and again, I'm not someone who uh, has been perfect at this my own life. There have definitely been times where I have felt a little bit um, sort of uncertain and feeling like, oh, should I tone it down? Or should I uh, hold back a little bit? And, and, and And so it got to a point where I think it was after I had graduated from from business school, and we went to our five year reunion. And I remember seeing these, again, very clever, highly trained, professional, driven, ambitious women who five years after investing two years and a lot of money in their education were starting to, were either were not working or had let their careers take a back seat. And I thought, what's going on here? Because if these women who had self-selected into you know, this world are choosing to opt out or are being forced to opt out, there's something going on here. And I, instead of constantly moaning about the problem, need to be a part of the solution. So that's when, it, that was sort of the bit of the, the aha moment when it was like, my peers are doing this. And we were taught, you know, our generation that nothing can stop us. The, the, the sky isn't even the limit. And, and yet we were, 
the ones who were limiting ourselves, the ones with the world at our feet who were choosing to not uh, to not pursue our dreams and our goals and our ambitions. And so often I saw it happen after women in particular would get married or start families. And I thought, well, this shouldn't have to be a choice. Again, this is a stupid problem for society to have where women feel like they have to choose between having a life and a family and having a career that they really care about and then they want to reach the top of. So that was when I decided I'm going to do something about it. Wow. Well, so much in there. And I guess for context as well, I guess if we go back to maybe even just the influence of your parents and, you know, being the child of immigrant parents living in New York. And I know you share in the book how how did that influence and shape your view of the world and how did that influence your own your own personal ambition as a young woman growing up? So I was very lucky to have parents who were who who instilled so there are four of us i have an older sister and two younger brothers and they never they were not that stereotypical immigrant family where the boys get everything and you know the girls are sort of an afterthought because both of my parents were hard working doctors they valued education for all of us and they came from families that very thankfully valued education for for women in particular because in india in in those generations and in my grandparents generations that just wasn't a thing and so i was lucky that my family was not the stereotypical traditional indian family and my parents very annoyingly would you know we'd come home from well it was annoying at the time but we'd come home you know uh, from school and we'd have i don't know a 98 out of 100 on one of our tests and my parents initial question without even saying anything without looking up from what they were doing was what happened to the other two points and it got to be almost cliche and it was you know a lot of people might view that as oh my gosh you know they're they're driving them too hard and there's this obsession with perfection and that's not good but I chose to view it and I think what they were actually saying and, and this is how I interpreted it was could you have done better maybe the answer is no and that's fine but could you have done better? Is there potential in you that you did not let come to the fore? And if that is the case, then what can you do differently next time? So that idea of at least allowing for the possibility that you could do better was such a brilliant environment in which to work and to grow up in because it just meant that we we were, you know, it was we would able to we were able to balance achievement with also not getting complacent wow it's it's really interesting and fascinating actually hearing how you received that that approach and as you said kind of how much can you achieve how much more like what is your true potential and how can you reach it because I feel like depending on your personality and you know especially as a as a mother you know constantly thinking when you're Uh, when you're parenting obviously you're trying to do your your best and it's such a Mm. difficult thing to navigate and I sometimes think depending on your personality that can become oh you know nothing's good enough and keep striving and you're constantly putting like this pressure on yourself which can for some people become debilitating or cause you know anxiety and they start to worry that nothing I ever do unless it's 100% is going to be okay but I love that you received that and embraced it in a way that actually you you say you were lucky you know you weren't like oh my parents were so hardcore you were saying no actually they they brought out the best in me and they encouraged me to say you can always do more and I guess yeah how do you now as an adult as well how do you see something that I definitely struggle with how do you find that balance between I know I'm ambitious and I want to strive and I want to achieve and I want to improve and iterate every time 1% better. And then also enjoying and and accepting and allowing myself to be like this right now, the thing that you've created is great. And even if it's not perfect, or even if you, you know, as long as you've tried your best, enjoy this part as well, because I'm always looking to the next thing at the same time. (laughs) And it's quite a difficult one to, to manage. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page there. I think a lot of people who have ambition and drive and, you know, sort of high achievers in any capacity, we can be really bad at enjoying the accomplishments or the successes or the milestones that we've hit in the moment. And we're, oh, you know, once that milestone is hit, we sort of oh, just take it for granted. It's like, okay, well, now what's next? And And never really let anything just settle and sink in. And I think for me, finding the way through that because it takes practice. And and I refer to that word very uh, consciously because it is a practice where, you know, again, balancing that sense of enoughness and contentment, but also holding space to not be complacent about it. So that for me is the constant 
yeah, like I said, work of like, okay, well, you know, when I do find myself spinning, okay, well, you know, what's next and what's coming now and what's the next big thing I want to do is to, as I find myself having that conversation is to almost sort of force the pattern break and just say, okay, well, yes, let we will plan for that future and everything to come. But right now, before we go guns blazing into the sunset, let's just take 30 seconds to just absorb what has happened in our in you know in my life or you know in in my career before everything turns to focus on what's coming next because it's it's not you know i think human beings we naturally <clears throat> focus on on gaps and on the lack and we always are uh looking towards how much there is left to do whereas i have now forced myself to practice before looking at what else there is left to do to stop and reflect on how far I have come. So it's looking back and acknowledging and, and you know, metaphorically patting myself on the back or emotionally patting myself on the back for, yes, it's not perfect. It's not everywhere you want it to be. Everything isn't exactly in place, but hey, guess what? Even from three months ago or five years ago, you are in such a different place and at least acknowledge the progress that has been made. Yes, again, hold space for the progress that is yet to come, but balance that contentment with, uh, you know, the conviction and the, and the excitement for everything that's to come next. Yes, that word excitement for what's come to come next. I actually shared a post a while ago on Instagram and, and lots of people, I was really, I loved reading people's responses. And essentially what I was saying in this post was, when we meet somebody new, often we will ask them what they've done. So we often mm. ask people what they've done in their life and you know, maybe that's their career, whether that's, I don't know, where they've traveled or who they are, who they were. And mm. that's how we kind of, you know, sometimes start a conversation with a new mm. person. But as somebody who is pretty future thinking, I love futurist yeah. thinking, I love yeah. thinking about innovation, what's to come. I am far more interested in the future than the yeah. past. So as yeah. much as I fully embrace, as you said, recognizing achievements, looking back and going, okay, Adrienne, you've done these things. It was great. I think the reason I look to the future for myself and for others is mm. because I genuinely find it exciting to yeah. imagine, okay, what's the, when I ask people, what's the thing you're excited about for the next year ahead of your life? What's the, what's the thing, personal, professional, what are you looking forward to? What are you working mm. towards? Who do you want to meet? Where do you want to go? Instead yeah. of just looking back at, well, the things you've done before, because yeah. for me personally, yeah, I think the best way to kind of create a future life that you want is to participate in that, in the construction of it through yeah. imagination, through challenging yourself, asking and answering difficult questions. So yeah, I think there's a lot, hopefully that people can reflect on there. And it's not just about ambition in terms of your work achievements and, and mm. your life achievements, but also, yeah, thinking forward and getting excited about yes. the short life that we have yes. and m making the most of that time. Yeah. And, you know, and yes, I 100% agree, because I think so, sadly, so many people just feel like what they've got is all they're ever going to have, or they're, they're going to be stuck here forever. And, and reminding people that you actually can be the agent of change. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be straightforward. It might not be obvious what the next steps are, but you are an active participant in your life. You're not just sort of a passenger, just taking whatever comes. And, and that mindset shift can be hugely, hugely transformational because then all of a sudden it's that recognition of exactly what you said. Hey, look, I can be excited about the future. My past doesn't have to be a reflection of, or doesn't have to be reflected in the future in any way. I can reinvent anything and everything if I want to, or just make tweaks on the margins. It can be as big or as little as I choose, but I, as an individual, have to be willing to choose it. I have to be willing to make the trade-offs that are involved in designing the new life and designing the future that I want. And yes, it's going to take work. It's going to take some uncomfortable conversations and some, you know, saying no to things that I used to perhaps really love saying yes to or whatever it is. But that that idea that we can be excited about the future, I just wish it was more universal. Universal because everybody can, you know. We and and I appreciate that, you know. You and I are very lucky that we have the luxury of living in the West and in a democracy where women, for example, have the freedom to think and achieve and excel, etc. And so I also view it for all of your listeners who are again in similarly lucky positions. I appreciate we have different financial and emotional and, and relationship and familial constraints and challenges. But my view on 
why I want to be excited about my future and help as many women in particular as possible and do all of the work I do is because I owe it to all of the people who cannot. There are literally billions of people on this planet right now who just do not have the luxury of being excited about their future. You know, I I spent a, a bit of my career at the at the CIA living and working in war zones where girls were literally commodities to be bought and sold to get their parents out of poverty. We do not have that reality to contend with. And so for all of those people, those millions of people around the world who don't have the luxuries that we do of choice, of agency, of, of designing the future, of being potentially excited about it, I feel like it's our duty for them, you know? So at least we don't take for granted everything that is at our disposal. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful, actually. And really, when you when you lay it out like that, the luxury of choice that we do take for granted, of course, to be able to choose, mm. you know, how we want to work, where we want to work, who we, where we want to live, who with, that is, of course, not a given for everybody. And so let's dive into the book. Let's go into, yeah. I guess, right at the start, you know, you talk about how in the CIA, you had to be very analytical and that served you very well. And that's mm. something that you're very good at and how actually taking that into you know, the world of business, how having like an analytical toolkit, so the ability to look at the details, to be reflective, planning, support, and then actually execute on ideas. I really, really loved this. I'm, I've got quite a, I don't know, I think I have quite like a strategic approach to most things. So I, I love to, you know, plan, look at all the different option A, option B, option C, look at, you know, potential blockers, what things might I have missed in this and really Dive, dive deep at the start. I, I definitely think that's where my strength plays when it comes to projects is really at the start ideation. But I think, of course, we then need to have support to, to deliver the, the goal. We need to actually execute on it because just having a plan is, is not enough. So yeah, let's dive into that. And how can people start to be a little bit more analytical in the way they approach their, their lifestyle and their work? So I think one of the most powerful questions we can all ask ourselves is why. So why am I in the career that I'm in? Why am I at this point in my life? If there's something I want to change about it, why did I get here? And, and, or, you know, asking your, yourself the question of like, why do I hold myself back in the ways that I do? I think so much of the, the work that I have found really transformational for myself over the course of my slightly unconventional career is is questioning all of the baggage and the internal noise I carried about myself. So anytime I felt myself saying, oh, I can't do that, or this will be too hard, or maybe I shouldn't go to this thing or, you know, pursue a, a career in this field or whatever it was, anytime any of those little voices that many of us have started nattering in my head, you know, asking ourselves, why? Why do I think that? What is there? Is this an objective reality? Or is this something that I've just picked up from somebody else? Or is this somebody else's vision for my life and my career? And, and I think just getting first and foremost, just giving yourself the luxury to ask that question. Mm -hmm. So many people just don't take so ask, you know, to analyze sort of your life and, and where you want to go and what's been going well, and maybe things that you might want to change or shift why is such a powerful question because it forces you to get right to the root of things and that is one of the most important uh, skills that i really honed at the cia was getting down to the fundamentals why is you know why is this uh, i don't know this war unfolding the way it is and then you know going down that chain of of why did that happen okay well then if that's what happened then why did that next thing happen and we can do that same sort of analytical process on ourselves and what I have found in the work that I do now with my clients and, and the other sort of women and the leaders I work with is a lot of the times when you get to the core of why you do something or don't do something or have something or don't have something, knowing what that reason is then allows you to make the necessary changes or I don't know, acquire the skills or just again, reframe the mindset or do the inner work, whatever it is to then get out of your own way and do the stuff that you really care about, the stuff that does make you come alive, the stuff that is in alignment with your values and, and make the changes and the shifts that you, you think are important. So that 
is I think fundamentally just asking yourself why more often and being very honest about the answers um, is, is a great way to just, even if there's nothing you want to change, it's a great way to make sure that you are you know, checking in with yourself and living in alignment with the things that you say you care about and that you want to care about. And if there is a misalignment, then of course, then you can identify what that is by asking yourself this question and then get back on track wherever you need to get back on track. Yeah, I'm a big fan of asking questions. In fact, I sometimes <laughs> joke that it is my superpower in life, knowing mm. when to ask the question, who to ask the question to, yeah. you know, which question to ask and, and to myself as well, and not being afraid to ask difficult questions, even to yeah. myself when I know, okay, this is gonna be, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't feel good, right? You feel like you're opening a can mm. of worms and you're like, oh, this is, this sucks. But actually, like you said, when you get to the root by asking why, 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 I think mm -hmm. that's incredibly powerful. And something that you mentioned then was values. Now, mm -hmm. I really want to jump on that because yeah. when I talk to people about, I talk to people about values and I actually run a session, a workshop, which is about helping people to create their own personal mission statement. So mm. just to give a quick example for the listeners, if, for example, you know, I'm speaking to employees of an organization, maybe their leaders and the organization that they work for will probably have uh, a mission statement. So we know that lots of companies have their own have their own mission statement. And often it's, for example, Google, theirs is about, you know, organizing the world's information to make it accessible. Or, you know, you could probably uh, find out just by a quick Google search of Netflix, what is their mission statement? Disney, what is their mission statement? And, you know, everyone will have this mission statement. It's often plastered on the wall and employees will learn about it. They'll learn this is, this is the, the mission for the business so that we're all working towards the same thing. We've all got a goal in mind and everything we do, it helps us to make decisions and it helps us to be clear about why we're coming to work in the first place. What are we trying to build? What problem are we trying to solve? So I will then encourage people to create their own mission statement. And this doesn't have to just be about your career. It could be, it could be about the role that you play in your organization, or it could be if you're an entrepreneur, your own mission statement about your values, what you're trying to achieve, who is gonna be impacted by the work that you do, and essentially why you do what you do. Now, it doesn't have to be this virtuous, you know, life-changing message. Mm -hmm. if, it, if it is, then great. But what it does have to be is true. And you mm -hmm. also talk a lot about authenticity. And I think that word gets used so often. But mm -hmm. when I talk to people about creating this, this mission statement, um, I, I just want it to be a real truth. Because if it's not, you can come mm -hmm. up with the most amazing sounding mission. But after a couple of weeks, if it's not yeah. true, you won't align to it. it won't motivate you you won't feel like you're actually doing that yeah. so over to you RuPaul when it comes to creating a mission creating yeah. understanding what your values are how can people start to understand that without just as I say coming up with some virtuous amazing sounding statement that doesn't yeah. really resonate or mean much so there it's, it's for me it's sort of a, a two-stage process first it's actually seeing what you currently do so again, quite uh, sort of analytically breaking down your time or tracking your time and your energy and seeing where you are investing it and what kinds of things you are doing. So I don't know, for example, over the course of a week, you might spend, you know, six hours at the gym and, you know, 10 hours with friends or, or and then, you know, how 40 hours at work, whatever it is. But analyzing where your time is being invested, because you can tell very clearly by the choices you're making what what values you are actually living. Now, those may or may not be in alignment with what you want to care about and what you want your values to be. But first and foremost, you need a reality check to say, OK, well, this is where my time is going. So clearly I value it because, again, you know, aside from the constraints of work and perhaps other sort of familial or so social constraints, people will invest in the things that they care about, you, you know, the things that you really, really enjoy doing. And so just taking an honest and objective assessment of where is my time going? How much time am I spending, I don't know, with friends or at the pub or playing football or at the gym or, you know, playing the guitar, whatever it is for you. Just look over the course of, I don't know, a two, two to three week period and see where the time is being invested. And then very quickly you can see, okay, well, based on what, this shows to me, you know, 
it, it suggests that, well, I value work because I, you know, I'm spending a lot more time at work perhaps than I necessarily, you know, have to. Uh, I value my health because I'm investing X number of hours, you know, on, on, on exercise and being active or whatever. And then you can do that assessment. And then you can, again, have that objective data to then tell you, okay, well, actually, you know what? I don't value my work, for example, as much as the time I'm devoting to it suggests. So what can I do now to bring it more in alignment with what I actually do care about? So that's that's one process is seeing where you're investing your time, because that is a true indicator of, of you know, at least the time that you can control, but what you value. And then the second process is really about going back. So I talk a lot about, again, sort of analyzing yourself and your backstory and, and uncovering the trends and the patterns that reappear in your life. Again, for those of us who have choice, we have chosen careers, we've chosen partners, we've chosen cities, we've chosen, you know, industries, whatever it is that we've chosen um, for a reason. And it might just seem like it was the best choice up in the moment or, you know, lots of other things going on in the background. But again, if we analyze and unpack these things, there will be trends that reoccur in our lives. And fundamentally, it's about then uncovering what those trends are and then seeing again, well, if this is a trend and a theme that's followed me throughout my life, it clearly is something I value. So I'll give you a concrete example. For me, when I sort of looked and reflected on my own my own life and career, the, the main current was always about developing an expertise or uh, a knowledge base about something and then using that to help other people. So in in my time at the CIA, that was literally my job role. I had to become an expert on certain topics, on certain um, strategies and certain uh, sort of foreign policy goals and initiatives, and then use all of the data, all of that analysis, all of that expertise to help other policymakers, presidents, politicians, ambassadors, et cetera, make decisions with the best information they could to, you know, have at hand. Later in life, you know, as I started working with companies and, and leaders and individuals, it was drawing on my lived experience and the expertise I developed in, you know, making career transitions and starting and scaling my own businesses and then using that expertise to help others. So, you know, looking back on my life, the pattern started to emerge and I thought, well, yes, clearly, you know, contributing to the world in a positive way, developing expertise and knowledge and having a curious outlook and then helping other people are my values. So once I did that reverse process of uncovering what those values were, then the next step is about incorporating more of that in my day-to-day -day life. So it's, you know, take stock of what you're already doing and, and get an accurate picture about where you're <clears throat> living your values in your day-to-day -day life already, but then also take time to reflect and analyze backwards and see what are those themes and what are those trends that keep coming up in your life. And that will start to give you a very clear picture about what it is you care about. And then, like I said, the work then becomes how do you incorporate more of that in your life now and moving forward? Yeah, I really like this looking back to to be honest with yourself. The word honest, I think, is the hard bit. That's what I want to kind of question <laughs> yeah. you on, because I could say that I've said this kind of thing and had these kind of conversations where people's pushback is, well, you know what, Adrienne, I've done this exercise and actually I value my health but I don't have time at the moment to work out because of my kids and my job mm. and there's all these other things so of course I value my health but right now I yeah if you ask me what when was the last time you went out for a run or did a mm. yoga class actually it's been six months and then they'll say oh I really value my family my friends mm. my relationship but actually you know what my relationship at the moment maybe you know we've probably all been there but life is busy work is busy and my partner and I were like passing ships we haven't had a yeah. meal together in weeks but I value my marriage I value and so it's that hard thing isn't it of saying well yeah. if your time isn't being spent on that thing then maybe yeah. you don't value it as much as you think but people yeah. will often say no of course I do I do I do I just I just don't have time and it's not my fault and it's really hard I think sometimes for people to accept that actually if you value something or if it's important to you you mm -hmm. have to you have to be the one to change your schedule or change your, yeah. your routine to prioritize it, even though yeah. it's not easy and there are a lot of demands on people's time, right? Sure. Yeah, no, and I think that the key there is that, look, we're amazing at making excuses and l perhaps less practiced at 
just making stuff happen for ourselves. So mm -hmm. my fundamental view is, you know, we're all grownups. So please let's at least try to stop kidding ourselves. You know, I went through that process similarly where I was like, yeah, I value my health. I like being fit and strong and toned and all of these things. When I did that very objective and honest assessment of my own time and how I was investing it, I was spending maybe an hour, maybe 90 minutes a week on my physical fitness. That is not living my values. So if you say you care about something, you have to care about it in what you do. You can't just say, oh yeah, I care my family and then never show up to, you know, until it's like midnight and your kids are asleep. Or like you said, sort of, oh yeah, I care about my relationship with my partner, but you know, we're ships in the night. Okay, fine. That's just describing the problem. That's not making, that doesn't justify why you haven't come up with the solution. And I get it. Things are hard. Everybody's very over, uh, over scheduled and overtaxed, but again, if you had to do something, then you would find a way. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't mean you go from having zero time for, for example, for your wellness and, and, and fitness to all of a sudden being in the gym 10 hours a week. You could, it can be progressive steps. It can be things like, okay, well, I'm gonna to choose to take my phone calls on the go. So what, anytime I have to make a phone call for work, I will just walk outside, even if it's just walking around the block or walking around the office or whatever it is. So it's not about making wholesale changes. It's about acknowledging the realities, acknowledging all of the conflicting demands and commands on your time, and then building in, at least in the short term, ways of incorporating more of what you say you value into that instead of pretending like someday in the future, everything is gonna align perfectly and you're gonna have all the time in the world because that someday will never come if you don't start doing something to make it happen now. So start small. You know, if you don't have, I don't know, a babysitter who can give you and your partner you know, date nights once or twice a week, just take, 20 minutes before you go to bed to actually have a conversation where you're looking at each other in the face as opposed to on your phones. You know, it's mm -hmm. it can be small things. It doesn't have to be a wholesale makeover. And I think, you know, all of us can find a way to at least make some small tweaks and then the momentum will start carrying itself to the point where you can see where you can make slightly bigger changes and then make allowances and create the time or, or prioritize things in a different way so you can do it more consistently and more often. But you have to start. You can, it's not enough to just throw your hands up in despair and say, oh, well, I just don't have enough time. Everybody doesn't have enough time. You know, so yeah. the time there's never going to be more time. So you just got to find a way to do something with what you've already got. This is what I was talking about. This is why I love you, RuPaul. I just love the the honesty, the approach, and also the unapologetic, as you described, this is the reality. We are all adults. And often it is that, you know, people don't like even to use the word excuses. We're not allowed to mm. use that word because it's like you're blaming people or you're shaming people. But in reality, yes, we do have to make these decisions. Decisions have consequences. And mm. what you choose to spend your time, energy, your time, treasure, and talent on is mm. what you value. And actually yeah. the other day I heard um someone describing about specifically about entrepreneurs and people who are doing starting their own businesses and he essentially said that his advice to them was to take a piece of paper draw four circles and he said in this in each one of the circles you write the words you have career in one or your business or you know the project you're working on you have yeah. family in the other one especially if you've got young children or teens you have friends and social in the next one and then you have health physical training in the other one and mm. then he said pick two you can't, <laughs> he said you can't have all four and at yeah. first I kind of thought wait what because and he and I actually thought about it more and he didn't he was like look just accept you can't yeah. have all four for yeah. right now maybe in the future you know things will change but you can yeah. move the kind of imagine you've got like a torch and you shine a spotlight on one you can yeah. move the torch maybe next year you move it over and it's all about friends and reconnecting and socializing and going to everybody's weddings and going to friends birthdays and having yeah. dinner parties at your house and of course you love your friends I would yeah. love to see my friends more often but actually yeah. if the spotlight right now is on your let's say family and your children mm. are starting a new school and you know he basically just said pick two and accept yeah. that you cannot do them all and actually it was really really refreshing for me yes. to go actually yeah because when the spotlight shifts maybe in six months time okay, cool. You can kind of give yourself permission to go all in on the thing that you're all in on without trying to yeah, apologize to everyone and everything that you're missing out on. Cause I constantly yes. apologize to my friends. Yeah. I'm glad I, I'm grateful. That I still have friends. Cause sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you have, you know, young yeah. family and you know, yeah. my son's uh, going to secondary school soon. And even this oh, wow. morning I, I joked, but I was like, I got up 
super early, did my usual kind of stretch. And then I was ironing and packing for his school trip. He's going on a (laughs) five day school trip. And it's those kind of things at 6.30 in the morning when I'm checking the packing list and looking for EpiPens and all these things. (laughs) It's like, okay, really? This is why I can't go to last night. You know, I was invited to an event. I can't go and come home and be hungover because I have this spotlight so that was really helpful for me and I I wonder if you if you ever approach it in that way yourself a hundred percent I think again let's be adults about it you guys life is all about trade-offs sadly we cannot optimize and have a hundred percent of all of those everything that we want we have to choose and it might be two things maybe it's three things I don't know whatever it is but just be realistic about what is involved in devoting the time to the things that you care about. So, you know, again, it doesn't mean that you have to, everything else has to fall to pieces and totally fall apart. You can focus on your career and on your family and just do enough to keep the connections with your friends, just do enough to keep your health from totally plummeting. So, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, just uh, like I said, walk around the block when you're taking phone calls or just be a little bit more um, conscious of, of the quality of the nutrition you're getting or whatever it is without, you know, obsessing over, oh, I haven't gotten to the gym, you know, for six hours this week, whatever, whatever it might be, you know, that you're telling yourself you have to do because trade-offs are real. Like every hour, like you just explained, every hour that you have to invest or want to invest in building your business, in working on your health and your fitness, and spending time with your uh, friends and loved ones, whatever, is an hour that you cannot invest in something else. Your time, your energy, your headspace, it all needs to be very carefully apportioned, and you get to choose. And so making those trade-offs, saying, I am going to prioritize my career and my family right now, means that you are consciously choosing to perhaps let the friendship stuff and other things be less important. It's not that they're unimportant, but you are choosing. And then later as life shifts, as your work and your, your, you know, personal realities change, then you can, you know, play around. But this idea that we can all be a hundred percent of everything is just stupid and it's not real. You know, nobody can, and, and nobody can achieve or anything that's important to them or have the types of relationships or family life or whatever it is that they really want. If they're not willing to be very clear eyed about the trade-off that are required about the things that they're going to have to say no to at least for some time and then you can start to say yes to them later on yeah absolutely and I think also knowing why going back to when we started off talking about you know think bigger and thinking about creating a life and it being excited about your life that's also a part of it right because if you're doing it for a reason that I think makes it easier along the way to make those sacrifices to have those more challenging moments because you know okay this is what I'm working towards and also I think having like checks and checks and balances and checking in every six months I tend to do that especially at the moment it's it's June we just had the longest day of the year and that's always kind of a bit of a shock to me because I think oh my gosh how is it halfway through the year already (laughs) but it's actually a really good time to reflect and think okay at the start of the year in January when I was talking about you know what do I want the year 2022 you know everyone makes plans and goals at the start of the year don't wait until the end of the year to look and see am I on course did I do that did I not like now's a good time to do that work I think and to kind of checks and balances because maybe actually maybe you're going down a rabbit hole and yeah all of your time is being spent on something and that was never the plan and you need to kind of revisit and go actually no I need to yeah change this plan so that I don't spend more and more time before you know it you look back and go hey I didn't actually want to do that that thing that took over my whole life yeah exactly and and you know in in this discussion we're having around like all of the competing things that we care about and we want to do, et cetera. I mean, let's just talk about the G word because guilt is a huge part of it. And I think what I've realized, it's it's just a wasted emotion. So, you know, you don't have to, for example, if you're going to focus on your family and your career, you don't have to feel guilty about perhaps being less available for your friends. You can involve them in your decision-making process. You don't have to justify yourself, but at least explain to them, look, hey guys, I know I've been a little bit MIA for a while, or, you know, I, I keep saying no to your, your invitations. Please don't give up on me, but I've got this that I really, really care about. And this with my family that I really want to focus on right now. 
So I just want to devote time for that, but I will come back at some point and don't give up on me or whatever the conversation is. You can be honest. I think the honesty is so, so important because first of all, it, it releases some of that guilt or pressure or whatever you might feel for yourself. And secondly, it will empower other people to do the same for themselves because everybody is playing this game of, oh, I feel bad about not being here and I should have been here and I wanna do this, but I can't do it. Everybody's got that going on. So if you, by your example, are very honest about the trade-offs you are making and you bring the people into, in your life who are affected by these trade-offs into that conversation in whatever way is appropriate, then you will show them again, by your example, that it's okay for them to do the same. And I think this ripple effect that it can have would be so powerful because then it would just be like this collective sigh of relief where everyone is, it stops having to pretend like they've got it all figured out and that they're doing all of the things. And, you know, I mean, there's no need for all of that. Just be honest with the people who are affected by your decisions, let them know what to expect so that they're not feeling like they're totally out of the loop or you've just gone quiet and, you know, is it because she hates me all of a sudden or doesn't care? You know, you know, we, people will spin up all kinds of reasons. Just tell them, just be honest. And, and we can do this with our families too. You know, there have been times where when I was writing my book, for example, where I had to just be head down and focus on the book and my daughter tug at my heart. She loves to dance and she'd be like, mommy, come dance with me. And I'm like, honey, I can't, I can't just drop everything and dance with you right now. And instead of constantly just pushing her away and being like, no, I can't. I literally had a conversation with her where I was like, look, I'm writing a book. It's really important to me. It's not going to last forever. So please just go play with daddy or go dance by yourself for a little while, whatever it was in the moment. And she was so understanding about it because all of a sudden it wasn't just, I'm pushing her away. Now she understood why. And mm. then I heard her talking to my husband, you know, weeks later, kids are so clever and, and they remember everything. And she was like, daddy, I don't want to interrupt mommy because she's writing her book down. And I thought, <laughs> thank goodness I had that conversation because now she knows it wasn't, I didn't want to, it wasn't that I didn't care. It was just, there was something else and there is an end in sight, but then it took all of that guilt of like, oh, am I being a terrible mom out of the picture? And it involved her in the process in a way that was valuable for her because now she felt involved as opposed to being someone who was being shunned by something that I was doing. Yeah. And so many parents probably hear that and go, oh, because we've probably all had those moments, whether it's a yeah. phone call, whether it's an important meeting, whether it's something where you're kind of like, you know, shush, 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 go away. And you think, <laughs> oh my gosh, did I actually just tell my own child to go away? And there's yeah. that guilt, like you said, the word guilt. I think we all feel that. And yeah. oh my gosh, there's a couple of things you mentioned then. One about people talking of people who are affected by our decisions obviously yeah. there's yeah the, the direct people friends family people that we live with or work with but I also think I had a conversation with a friend this week who I haven't spoken to for years and it was just it was amazing that when we connected and something that she she asked me about was you know when you are ambitious when you are driven when you do want to do lots of things mm. she was kind of saying how you know for people who are aligned you share that same mindset people like you and I RuPaul I feel like I hear this and it energizes me. It makes me yeah. more excited. It uplifts me. But for yeah. some people, it drains them. It's exhausting. They're like, oh my gosh, will you just chill? It's just like so <laughs> many things. And actually being around that, it's, do you know what I mean? That sometimes there's people yeah. who, because you want to do something or because yeah. you're getting after it or planning the next thing yeah. or training for a marathon or doing yeah. another thing, it kind of makes them feel a certain way. It makes yeah. them maybe feel bad or makes them feel like, oh, you know what? I just don't want to be around you or hear yeah. the, you know, your, your energy and your exciting news because you know yeah. what? Can't you just chill and like watch <laughs> Netflix and just be normal? And it was so <laughs> interesting because she said that. She said, you know, how, do, she was asking me, she said, how do other people in your life kind yeah. of support this energy and support this ambition without yeah. feeling like you're somehow judging them if they're not mm -hmm. getting up at five? Because I yeah. honestly, I am not judging other people ever yeah. by, you know, their life choices, their habits, what they yeah. eat. I don't care, you know, yeah. as much as that sounds awful. No, I think no. it's actually liberating when you realize yeah. other people don't care. Like no, no one's no one cares, Adrienne, what you're doing in the morning, yeah. but it is interesting how, yeah, our influence on others can be positive, hopefully, yes. but it can also rub people up the wrong way. Yeah, and I think, look, the people who are rubbed the wrong way, that's on them, that's not on us, right? So, mm. and I, I don't mean to say that flippantly, but it's like, we can just, 
All we are doing is being who we are and caring about what we care about. How anybody else receives it is totally out of our control and none of our damn business. So if we're inspiring others and empowering others, that's wonderful. And, you know, that's great because we're having these positive ripple effects. And if we're making other people feel bad about themselves, well, that's not their, that's never our intention. So that's, that's on them. You know, we can't control how they receive what we're doing and how we're showing up. And and like I said, both for, for better or for worse, you know, it's, it's totally out of our control. All we can do is be who we are, care about what we care about and live our lives. And because at the end of the day, that is all anyone can do. And so it's, it's useless to worry about the other stuff, all of that noise around, oh, well, is this person thinking I'm too much? Or does this person think I'm like too, you know, living out loud too often or whatever that again, that's none of our business absolutely none of our business and it's hard to 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 almost sort of push it to one side in that way but we've got to do it because i mean my view is again i take a bigger picture sort of strategic view maybe similar to you whereas i think i'm in my 40s life goes so damn quick and even at its longest it is always too short so if you have something you care about, if you have a dream or a goal or an ambition or something that really fires you up, or you're still exploring, who cares? It doesn't matter. All of that other stuff about other people, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, when you are hopefully in your 90s or in your hundreds, whatever it is, looking back on your life, you're going to be the one who's going to remember the highlights reel. You're going to be the one who remembers all of the times that you maybe let yourself down or all of the times that you should have done something and you didn't. But on the flip side, you'll also remember and be very thankful for all of the trade-offs you made in order to do the things that you're really, really damn proud of. And it can be big things. It can be small things. But, you know, it, it it's your life. Stop letting other people live it for you or tell you what it should look like or tell you how you should feel about it because that's on them. What they think about you and what you're doing is none of your business. book for for anyone listening who's thinking you know I, I give a lot of book recommendations I'm sure they yeah. don't go and buy them all who would benefit the most from this book anybody who wants to live their own life who feels like there's something in them that they want to bring out into the world or that there's more for them or just something different for them and they don't want to live by other people's rules in other people's boxes and just want to live and lead as powerfully and as authentically and as much as themselves as they possibly can brilliant well i definitely encourage you to either download it on audible or grab a copy you can of course get it obviously everywhere that sells books so i encourage you to do that and let's dive into the power hour section so this section of the show the listeners know i love to find out what the first hour of your day includes i call it the power hour because for me it's the most powerful hour of my day whatever i choose to do even if it is just ironing clothes and packing for the school trip it yeah. is an hour to myself intentionally to have solitude to prepare for the day ahead so rupal what does your first hour include uh it includes food because i need to eat frequently throughout the day so i i make breakfast 
a big deal for myself um, and make sure that I'm not rushing through that. And then while I'm having my long leisurely breakfast within that hour, that's when I do some of my, um, my visualization. So I do believe in the power of visualizing sort of what we want, as we talked about earlier, what we want our future to look like and the, the specifics of what it's going to contain. And then also sitting down and, and journaling for a little bit and reflecting on you know, sort of what's next and the bigger picture, not just for me personally, but also professionally, what I want to contribute to the world, where I want my family to go. So just the ideas, because I find that first hour for me, I am a, a have surprisingly found out a, a, an early morning person. So when I have that quiet hour or more, if my kids will let me to myself, that's when I do the big picture sort of creative thinking and, and um, planning for, for everything that comes, or at least visualizing what's going to come next. So yeah, it's, it's feeding my soul <laughs> through that and then literally feeding my stomach with making breakfast a proper meal. I love that because I, so I'm someone who, I'll be honest, breakfast is probably my least uh, apart from at the weekend, it's probably my least exciting meal of the day. <gasps> I know, I know. And it's just because, I don't know, for so long when I was training for endurance races for so yeah. long, my breakfast became really functional. You know, it was like, uh... how much fuel do I need? I definitely <laughs> was trying to like get in calories and fuel before a, a long run. Yeah. So it kind of became quite, I'd honestly, sometimes I used to dread it because I'd have to like force myself yeah. to eat when I wasn't really hungry. And I'm someone who, I don't know, I'm quite intuitive with my body. Yeah. So like if yeah. I want to feel hunger to then yeah. say the hunger whereas yeah. I'd be like oh I've got to eat a banana and some nut butter and a croissant and just kind of force <laughs> it down to like go and do this 5am run so yeah. yeah it's 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 nice to hear that actually yeah making a big deal of it which I do at, at the weekends or, or if I yeah. travel it is so nice isn't it to just yeah. actually enjoy having your breakfast and actually fueling your body as you say for for the day ahead is yes. there is there anything that you intentionally avoid in the morning email <laughs> and my phone. Yeah. So right. I think, you know, all of that stuff, that noise that we can be bombarded with. Yeah. Leave it as long as I possibly can on a good day that I don't touch my phone or my email or any of that stuff until 11 on an average day. It's around 10 o'clock when I finally pick it up. Mm, great. Yeah. I've been falling back into that trap recently, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but we all do sometimes. Yeah. Even, it, even I, even the power hour queen, even I you am, go. you know, given to the temptations of devices. Yeah, wow. I well, hear you. This has been so powerful, so impactful as I knew that it would be. I was so excited and I'm sure the listeners are going to get loads out of it. And if you do, then please do let us know if you're enjoying the show, let us know, share it, rate, review, all of that good stuff. I often say it at the end of the show and I'm sure because I listen to podcasts myself where I really enjoy them and you kind of think, oh yeah, I'll do it tomorrow, but you never really, you know, find the time. So if you can two, three, four minutes, whatever it takes. I really value and appreciate absolutely every single review. I always read them all. So please do take the time if you are getting value from the show because it's what helps me to book incredible guests and introduce you to new people such as Rupal Patel. Thank you so much for joining. Have an awesome week, stay safe, and I'll be back next week. Thank you, Rupal. Thanks, Adrian. <laughs>